Well, I have a word that I want to share, and uh, it starts in John, John chapter 21, full and overflowing, full and overflowing. I believe this word is right on the back of what Pastor Sam declared over your life, over this move of God, and it's John 21, verse 3 to 11, it's on the screen. This is the account of what happened after Jesus died, rose from the dead, but the disciples didn't know it. Sometimes your miracle is real, but you're not aware of it. And when you're not aware of what God's doing, you'll look lost, you'll be lost, and yet you have no reason to be lost because Jesus is alive. You just don't know it. And in John 21, we find ourselves from verse 3 where Jesus is alive, but his closest 11, because one had sort of, you know, Corona got him. And so there's 11. Says Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Not as in a hobby, but I'm returning to my past. Not as in I need a break, as in I'm, I don't have a vision for my future, so I'm turning back to where I came from. And that's what happens when you lose sight, when you lose hope. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he, Jesus, said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Isn't it amazing that they were not able to catch fish and then Jesus moves in their life and they're still not able. Now they're not able to draw it in. Isn't it good to know we're always dependent on God? Whether we have nothing, we need Him. If there's too much on, we need Him. And whether you're barren or whether you're overflowing, we'll always be in a place where we need God. You know, I, I heard a story from one of our team in Botswana last year, and he, he was a guy who owns a production company, and uh, he was going through, there was just no work, and he was, he'd come up to the front for prayer, which is sort of what we all do in church, and, and you know, the pastor prayed for him, and he's a pastor, and well, you actually know Blake Young, and uh, he, he was, he, Blake told me the story, and he said he just had nothing going on, and he prayed for him, and, you know, went back to his seat. About four to five weeks later, the same guy comes to the front. And, uh, you know, Blake's like, oh, man, this poor guy needs breakthrough. And he goes, what's going on? You still need prayer for business? And he says, yeah, there's so much that has come in since the last time we prayed. I'm so understaffed. I need help. It's killing me. Isn't it amazing that we always need God? Whether you're barren or whether you're overflowing, whether your net is empty or whether it's too much. Anyway, see, that there are people here who need prayer this morning because nothing's going on. And there's people who need prayer this morning because there's too much going on. But we're always dependent on God. We're always dependent on God. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, John, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he'd removed it. It's called naked fishing. And plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, 
but they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they'd come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it. How weird. Jesus had on the shore what they were toiling for all night. Sometimes we're toiling all night in our own strength. If you just come to shore where Jesus is, he's got what you're striving for. (laughs) And bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. In other words, I won't, we'll we'll use some of yours because, you know, well, which I really did. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Someone say 153. And although there were so many the net was not broken. Let me read that again. 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. See, there's two miracles that happen in the story. The first one's obvious and the second one's subtle. Everybody talks about the first miracle because it's spectacular. The spectacular miracle is zero to 153. And I'm not talking about how you drive your car. I'm talking about the fish. Literally, it goes from barrenness to overflowing full and overflowing in one moment. How many believe that God is still able to do the miraculous? He's still able to do exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond all that you could ask, think, or imagine. He's still the God who could take nothing and make it something. He's still the God who could take your barrenness and say, sing, O barren, because he says more will be the children of the desolate than the married woman. He's the God who can look into nothing, and you and I feel depressed, and God goes, are you kidding me? In a moment, I can turn anything around. He's still able to do that. He's that God. The day we lose sight of a miracle working God and just reduce him to the process God, we have no idea what we've done to our own faith. We have, we have suffocated the potential on your life because me by myself can't do much, but God in me, all things are possible. It's so good to know that without God we can do nothing, but we're not without God. We have him, and with him all things are possible. And this miracle is a miracle that maybe you're here today and you're believing for that. Well, I'm believing with you. We're believing with you. But the second miracle is the one that I'm really interested in for the sake of where we're going as a movement in Equippers. And that is so subtle you would have missed the second miracle. Like, what's the second miracle? That was the miracle. The second miracle is the last verse we read that he dragged 153 fish to shore And it's a little phrase, and it sounds so innocuous. It says, although there were so many, that the nets did not break. The second miracle is the strained net that didn't break. That God held the net together when this miracle is the miracle that is a little more subtle. How many have ever been in a place where you felt strained, but you were somehow sustained by the grace of God? You're still here. I mean, you were at breaking point. You were like, there's so much going on. But God held me together. He just held my marriage together. He just held my sanity together. He just held my, my family together. He's just held my business together. I, and it's not spectacular. It's not zero to 153. But guess what? If the second miracle doesn't happen, the first miracle's wasted. What's the point of God pouring all this stuff into your life if the nets break? Because if the nets break, the, the whole miracle's lost. 
The first miracle only happens because there's a second miracle. See, the miracles in your life, celebrate them, but always remember to thank God for His sustaining power that has held you together, that has held us together, that has held whatever God has done together. If not for the second miracle, the first one doesn't even happen. It doesn't, it's wasted. And here's the thing. With the first miracle, obedience triggers the miraculous. And I want you to know that today. Obedience triggers the miraculous. Everyone say obedience. Obedience. Jesus just gave him a simple command. Cast your net on the right side. He didn't, you know, sometimes we're looking for strategy and God says, just obey me. Now, I love strategy. I'm into strategy. But obedience releases miracles. Obedience to God. And sometimes what he's asked you and I to do is so simple. We're waiting for the miracle, and, and, he, and he didn't say, get a new boat, get a new crew, find a new ocean. He just said, cast your net on the other side. If he said, you know, sometimes I've found there's a disconnect in my head between what God's asking for me and what he wants for me. So, for example, he, he, you know, I've seen people forgive their relative and then get healed. And you're like, what has forgiveness got to do with healing? Or, or so into that offering and God provides in a totally unrelated area. And you're like, because we're trying to strategically reduce God to a formula so that we can work out what we want and then we can give what we need to get what we want. And God says, do something that is so simple. He might say, just listen, you know what, tonight, just come along to the 5 p.m. Be like, no, I'm busy. Listen, tonight, I really feel God is going to set people free tonight. I've got a word that I haven't really spoken much. In fact, it's, it's sort of fresh, and I gave the poor guys a bit of grief trying to find scriptures for it. But tonight, I'm just going to let it out and see what happens. And I really believe if you're wrestling and struggling with anything, come along. If you know anyone that's wrestling or struggling, come along and let's, let God do something. But sometimes he'll ask you to do something so simple, so innocuous, so almost insultingly. Like, can you imagine Peter? I'm a fisherman. You're telling me to cast the net on the other side. I've done this all my life. I've done this all night. And yet sometimes doing the very thing that you think is so insulting is the key to, mirac to, to miracles. Obedience triggers the miraculous. Childlike obedience triggers the miraculous. You know, I remember, um, I'm sure like you guys, we have, we have once a year, we have like a miracle offering where, where the church comes together and, and they just sacrifice towards the vision and, and what God's doing in other parts of the world. And, um, but the last time I just told the church, you know, sometimes we have goals and faith and what we need to see the work of God established. And I, and I just said, you know, just hear God and obey. One cent, one dollar, one million, whatever. I, I didn't put my hand on trying to get people strategically to land somewhere. And, you know, amazingly, Within the first two weeks, I think there was over 500 written testimonies of miracles and testimonies within and just people obeying God. I want to encourage you to have the courage to do the insultingly simple. And what has the Lord said to you that you're still, you've dismissed maybe thinking it's too small. I can't do that. That's ridiculous. It won't change anything. Obedience triggers the miraculous. But here's the, here's the, here's the truth. While obedience triggers the miraculous, it's it's my capacity that determines the extent of the miracle. And that's the second miracle. Obedience triggers the miraculous, but capacity determines the extent. Let me explain. We ask God for things, and he goes, I'd like to pour it into your life, but I can't. 
Because God loves you too much to kill you with the answer to your prayer. Why wasn't there 154 fish? Because the nets were already at breaking point. Maybe the 154th fish would have broken the net. So God knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly what you need. He knows what I can handle. He knows what you can handle. Even in relation to temptation, he says, you'll only get what you can handle. He won't pour new wine into the old wineskin. Why? Because he doesn't want the wine spilled or the vessel killed. He, he loves you too much to, to ruin you with the very prayer that you've been praying. God, I want revival. And he goes, yeah, all right, can you just get yourselves together to organize one prayer meeting? And he's like, like you know, if, if he would have truly answer all our prayers. You know, I was praying prayers at 21. God, I want to be married right now. You know, but God was like, hey, no, no, you'll kill her or she'll kill you. So I've got to get you ready for what you're about to receive. You might be a business guy in here and going, God, give me billions of dollars for your kingdom, Lord, for your kingdom. For you, Lord, for the equipper mandate. And God is like, should we? Because he knows maybe if he pours that into your lap, it'll turn your heart away from God. How many people know that sometimes you receive the answer and then you lose the person? And, and he's like, he, he wants billions. Um, yeah, and he knows. So he goes, let, let, let's see how he goes with 153. Ring it. And see what he does with it. See, God, my obedience will always trigger the, the miraculous, but my capacity determines the extent. Some of us are praying for things and we're frustrated, but maybe the issue isn't praying for more. It's growing more. It's becoming more. It's increasing what God's asked us to increase because he knows what we can handle. You know, the, the, um, the very first message I ever spoke in, uh, when we started Kingdom City, it was me. For those who are new to me, um, I, uh, I grew up in Perth, but I was sort of born in Singapore a few years in Malaysia. God, I had an encounter with God. God tells me to go to Malaysia to plant a church, and I go, who leaves Australia to go to Malaysia? Everybody's leaving Malaysia to come to Australia. But I'd already left law to work in ministry. And so this was like reversing everything that I'd sort of done. And I'd buy a one-way ticket, sold my house in Perth, and went to an Islamic country without a visa to plant a church. And I don't know anybody. I've got some family there, so I stay in someone's house. And I meet one guy, and I say, listen, um, can we, uh, do you know anybody that has an apartment that we can meet he goes, yeah, yeah, I've got some friends. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Invite whoever you know is interested. I'll tell them my story. I'll buy them noodles. Tell them they can have noodles at the end of the day if they come at 5 o'clock. And about 12 people turned up. And, uh, and that's how the church started in 2006. In fact, sadly, we have, we have a picture. Uh, we, in fact, we only have two pictures. This is it. This is terrible. We had no faith. That looks like 1970, but it's 2006. That's me sitting in the chair. This is the very first Kingdom City meeting. In, in February 2006, me sitting in a chair. I'm, it's my first meeting. I'm already tired. And those five guys that are standing there looking like they're under arrest are just... That's the only picture we have for the very first meeting. And they're literally just wanting their noodles. 
Half of them weren't even Christian. I just said, raise your hands. They're like, I had no idea what they're doing there. I had no idea what I'm doing there. And, and I'm starting to tell them. But you see, I just had this encounter with God, and I was filled with this zeal. And I'm saying, you know what? Can you imagine the day's going to come where we're going to have 100 people in this church? And you can tell they're looking at me like, we, we, we just want our noodles. Somebody told me we get noodles if we come here. And they're like, but see, I, I had no real, you know, I didn't have all the political, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, to be honest, still don't. But really, I just, yeah, yeah. And you, know, you can tell they're like, what? That's weird. And, and, you know, next week, 100 people didn't come. There was like seven, I think, or nine or something. And, and, and really, that was the start. But, but yeah, there was a desire for more. And, 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 you know, if God had actually brought 100 people the next week, could you imagine what would happen? I'd have been like, what are these people doing? I'm going broke. I only have enough for four packs of noodles. Please leave. I don't want any more people. But, but, but here's the principle. The stronger the net, the greater the catch. Why are we doing extra services in Manukau and, and, and fifth service in the city and Pukekohe and now morning service just declared by Jake the man, the non-competitive pastor in Equippers. Like, wh- why are we doing that? Because the stronger the net, the greater the catch. I, um, you know, I was believing for hundreds of people to join our church, but our church, when we started in 2006, was me and a couple of randoms who just wanted noodles. Now, on any, any given weekend, there's over 400 new people that walk through the doors of our church globally every weekend. Now, that's who they, they come and they're interested in joining the church. I think it was God's heart in 2006 to give us 400, but thank God he didn't. See, some of you don't get mad at God for not answering the prayer you're praying because he's waiting for the net to be able to handle. The second miracle is vital. He sustains you, he stretches you, but he holds you together and he loves you enough. And so the frustration you feel direct it from toward God for not doing what you'd like to saying, God, what do I need to increase? What, what needs to grow in me so that we can see 100,000 in equippers? What needs to grow in me so we can start to see this happen? Do you know, Sam and I are like brothers. I don't know if you can tell us apart, but we're the same, apart from the skin color and the hair. Honestly, it's like talking to my brother, except I like him more than, and I shouldn't say this, this is being recorded. Um, I love my family. Uh, he, he, here's the thing. About three years ago, God speaks to me. I'm in America, and I'm, we're driving somewhere from somewhere to somewhere. And, uh, and God speaks to me out of nowhere. I'm on holidays, and Jemima and I, with this intern from, I think, Bethel, who was, who, who was promised three hours of Q&A with us if you drive us to some other town. Uh, but God speaks to me early in the journey, and I hear it so clearly. Start building the nets for 100,000. And our God's not really spoken to me in numbers or anything like that. I'm going, wow. And when God speaks to me, my mind gets totally consumed and I can't concentrate. So this poor intern is asking me lots of questions. Thank God Jemima was there to turn, to, you know, to, to direct all the questions back to him and just make up the answers. But, but really, for the next three hours, my mindset, but it's interesting. He said, build the nets. See, there's no shortage. The, the, Jesus never said, pray for the harvest. He said, pray for the laborers. There's 100,000 waiting to fill this arena. What happens when this is the when this is equippers and we fill it five times on a Sunday? 
There's no shortage of people ready. There's no shortage of fish. There's no shortage of harbors. Jesus said, pray for laborers. Pray for the net. Pray for the people that will hold what I want to do, what I want to pour, what I want to pour into your life, what I want to pour into this arena, what I want to pour into your world. Pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. You know, I'm sure there are people here at a personal level as well as corporately saying, well, how do I enlarge my capacity? How do I increase my net? How do I build my net? And you might think I've got to go to a seminar, read books, personal development, and all of that. I amen. You know, whatever you need to do to grow your capacity, to allow God to pour the answer to the very thing you're praying, by all means, go ahead, do it, pursue it, all of that. But I have found two simple things, keys that are locked up in Scripture that I know are the value system of this house, even though I don't know. I just know because, and I've seen God enlarge capacity through these two things. And they're so insultingly simple, you're going to almost roll your eyes. But when you realize how powerful it is, you'll actually start to take it a bit more seriously. The first one is a connecting mindset. A connecting mindset. Like, what does that mean? Well, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. You know the story of the, of the ox that can pull a soap, plow so much, but then two, it has this synergistic impact. You know, often at weddings, we read a scripture in Ecclesiastes, when one person's alone, they're cold or naked or something, and when two, they're warm and they're together and whatever. It sounds good. And we reduce the fact that connection is for company, but I want to tell you that connection is also for capacity. Connection isn't just to give you camaraderie. It will actually increase your capacity. Can you imagine if 11 guys went fishing in this story and they all had their own fishing lines? And they're fishing. And Jesus says, miracle! What's the best that could happen? 11 fish at a time. Because each line can only take one. But what happens when each fisherman brings their line and lays them at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, let me put all these lines together and make a net. And when we make a net, there's something about a net that has exponentially more capacity than doing things on my own. I'm all right by myself, but I'm phenomenal when I'm connected. And just like a net really is as only as strong as its connection, as strong as the threads are connected, so is the strength of the net. I want to ask you, who are you connected to? What are you connected with? You might be in the room, but are we connected? And I'm sure there's the connected in the room this morning because we're the ones in the room. But I want to encourage you, make sure we're not just in the room, but we're connected. Don't just, don't just think this is awesome. Join an group do whatever you got to do to say i want to be actually connected because it's you're like i've got enough company it's not about company it's about capacity i got enough friends but who you're connected to can either increase your capacity or decrease your capacity and that's why i've realized the when i connect with 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 you when i connect with equippers when i connect with sam we can do so much more together than i can do by myself and when he connects with me there's so much more we can do together it's not just company it's capacity that's why when the right person marries the right person it's exponential that's why when the right businessman meets the right businessman it's exponential that's why Three guys in the fire can stand up to a king, but one guy might be too scared. 
I got a theory that one of them would have been just ego issues, one of them was insecure, and one of them was fearful. But together, ego, insecure, and fearful were awesome. I don't know which one was which one, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, probably in the pre-service prayer meeting, were like, let's not bow. That guy's evil. Don't bow. Don't bow. Don't bow. On three. One, two, three. Don't bow. All right. All right. And they're ready. And then you go out and face intimidating big crowd, and they're like, bow, or I'll throw you in the fire. And, you know, they're all like, oh, God. And maybe the ego guy just had ego. Maybe that's all that was driving him. He was like, we're not going to bow. Right? And then the guy with peer pressure was like, yeah, 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 I'm with him. And maybe then the insecure guy was like, well, I guess, yeah. And, you know, you can, you can, your capacity exponentially increases when you're connected. What would have happened if three people walked out of the boat, not just Peter by himself? What if Peter stepped out of the boat and he almost sunk, if not for Jesus? What if, not Thomas or Judas, but what if two other guys got out of the boat? What if two other guys got out of the boat with Peter? When Peter was about to sink, someone would have gone, hey, Peter, no, no, don't look at the waves, Jesus. And maybe together we go further. Together we go further. Maybe connected we can do far more than we can do alone. Bible says, let those of us who are strong lift up them that are weak. And I used to hate that scripture because I thought, man, I just hope I'm not a weak person. God, I want to be the strong person. I want to be the strong person. Until I realized strong and weak aren't categories of people. You're strong, you're weak. You're strong, you're weak. You're strong, you're weak. And those of you that are strong, yeah, you guys help the losers. No, that's not what it means. Strong and weak aren't categories of people. They aren't labels on your life. They are seasons in your life. And when I'm strong and you're weak, see, the reason I need Sam is when I'm strong and he's weak, I can lift him up. But when I'm weak and he's strong, he can lift me up. If you're by yourself, you are subject to your own cycle, your own emotions, your own journey, your highs and lows become the sum total of your destiny. But those of us who are in a season of strength can hold one another up. You're feeling dry. Hang around someone who's hungry for God. You're feeling lethargic. Hang around someone who's excited for God because the time will come where the roles will shift. But if we're together, we're threaded together. There is so much more we can do. And God says, I I can pour more fish into the net that's connected. I can pour more fish into the marriage that's connected. I can pour more income into the business that's united. You know, the, the, and the second thing that, that increases capacity, because again, I, I'm all for reading personal development books and all of that stuff, but who would have thought just the miracle could be sitting on your row? The key to your larger and the key to your more is sitting next to you, beside you, in front of you, around you. And yet our, our reluctance to connect because we just decided we have enough friends because we've only thought it's about camaraderie and yet it's about capacity. The day I realized that connection doesn't just make my calendar full, connection increases my ability for more. It changed the way I saw the power of connection. It didn't make me selfish. It didn't make me like, oh, you know, strategically I'm looking. No, no, but there's something about linking arm in arm, hanging out. Why do you think this crazy virus, which, by the way, is driving me nuts. So, sorry, I can say that. In Singapore, whether they're told not allowed to meet, not allowed to gather. You know, I think behind all of the, 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 the stuff is really an attack on connection. Now we're not allowed to meet. We're not allowed to connect. I used to say, just turn around, you know, give someone a high five or a hug. But no, don't. Just smile at them, wash your hands, and then sit back straight down. Like, 
All the people whose physical touch is your love language, they've all backslidden in the last month. I mean, it is crazy how the enemy will do whatever he can to disconnect you. You feel like a thread and you're like, nobody notices my string in the thread, so I'm going to become my own fishing line. Well, there's the welcome to one fish at a time if you're lucky for the rest of your life. Jesus can do so much more when we're connected. If you know your neighbor and you know they don't have corona, give them a high five. you're healed it's amazing (laughs) you know I was at the back and I was asking for some tissue paper but apparently it's all sold out in Auckland oh I've got some I've got some Kleenex here if anyone wants it I'll sell it to you for 5,000 bucks and the last last point last point it's so simple it's almost insulting what enlarges my capacity if my prayer is God, enlarge me, stretch me. There's a connecting mindset, but there's a carrying mindset. And you're like, carrying, what does that mean? You know, again, I know this, the heart of this house is we all chip in, we all contribute, we all carry. Some people are disgusted when a pastor gets up and says, hey, you know, everybody should chip in, let's all sign up for something. And by the way, everybody here has something they can contribute. Everybody here has got something to contribute. Let me say that again. Everybody here has something. You're like, no, I'm, no, listen, if you're a student, Maybe it's not a lot of money, but it's a time. If you're a senior, maybe don't stack the chairs, but you can pray. If you're a mom at a, with kids at home and you can't get out, you can host an e-group. Maybe there's other ways you can, if you're a business person and you're traveling all the time, maybe there's ways you can contribute. But everybody, but people get offended when you say, come on, let's carry weight. Can you imagine a net where one of the threads go, nah, I'm not carrying weight. That net's caught, got a hole. Every part of the net needs to carry. And the whole idea of carrying is not that, it's not just the idea of sacrifice, but it's, you were born, you were born to contribute. Do you know, um, (laughs) I had this crazy experience. I was traveling with a friend on a plane and he lost his wallet on the plane. So we get to the airport and we go to what they call the lost and found counter. We go up to the lost and found counter and it's in, it's in, it's in a country that I, well, it's in Malaysia. All right. And, uh, and the, and the, the guy, the lady, I ring the bell because we're waiting for the person. This lady comes out and I said, oh, hi, um, my friend. We were just on the flight, so and so from so, and uh, we just lost, um, he lost his wallet. Um, you know, can, can we make a report? And she gives us the most disgusting look. And then just sighs, rolls her eyes, and shakes her head. And I'm thinking, isn't this the lost and found counter? It's like she's disgusted that we've lost something. But she works at the lost and found counter. And it dawned on me, that's probably the half of the job she doesn't like. She was probably hoping we found someone's wallet to make her life a lot easier. But half our role, see, we're, we're all found, but there's a lot of people lost. And if you're, only, you're disgusted that you have to contribute to the lost, you only want the found. The four men carried one man who was carried. And when Jesus heals him, he says, now you carry. You pick up your mat. You pick up your mat. In other words, you were carried in. Now you carry out. 
He didn't go, oh, you're new. You just got saved. Oh, welcome to Equipus. Take nine months to just drift into the crowd and be nothing. And then when you feel convicted when some random Asian preacher comes, just get stirred. No, no, no. He, he, he says, but you know, the guy's lame. I, Jesus, you're forgiven. I'm like, why did Jesus forgive? How do you sin if you're paralyzed? You can't go to dodgy places. And then it dawned on me, he was lying. Thank you, yes. All right, that's it. No more dodgy. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, all right. He forgives him, then he heals him, and then straight away says, pick up your mat. I believe that's a prophetic sign for every person in this room that, you know, once God has forgiven you, once God has healed you, pick up your mat and be a carrier. You know, you know people are like, but isn't the church meant to be like a hospital? Isn't it a hospital for sick people? Yes, but it's a unique hospital. It's a strange kind of hospital. It's the only hospital where you come in a patient and you leave a physician. It's, it's not, you don't just get healed, you actually become the one who can heal. You, you, you go from spectator to soldier. You go from carried to carrier. You go from poor to philanthropist. You go from crowd to carrier. You, it's, it's unique. See, when I pray for someone who's got a bad shoulder, I'm not just praying till the pain goes away. I'm praying so that they can lift again. If someone's got a bad marriage, I'm not just praying they avoid the divorce courts. I'm praying they get so healed they can bless other marriages that are in trouble. When someone's going through bankruptcy, I'm not just saying, God, keep them out of bankruptcy. I'm saying, God, turn this thing around so they are so blessed they can be a blessing. It's a hospital, but you go from one extreme to the other because that is who God is. He didn't just pull you out of your bondage so you could sit in the chair. He pulled you out so you could say yes. And when we all say yes to carrying so much more, God can pour more fish into the net. You know, I, you know in the body of Christ, there's fat and muscle. Which one are you? Because the fat is carried by the muscle. Now, I'm not commenting on fat people you can tell i have no position to comment however i am saying are you being carried by the handful pulling this thing along because ultimately it's there are seasons where i need to be carried you might be in a season today where you need to be carried allow the family of god to love you allow the presence of god to heal you and allow god to touch you but there are people here who are healed you're just stagnant. And God says to the cripple, you're now healed. Pick up your mat and walk. Go home with a new mindset. Go home with a different... And, 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 and yet, just like the lost and found counter woman who'd look and go, half of this is not just celebrating the victories, but making sure we do whatever we can. Uh, and and this, this is the thought. You know, the musicians can come and join us. This is the thought I had. People are like, is this just about joining an e-group and serving? No. It's about a mindset because some of us have prayed prayers that we're frustrated that God hasn't answered, and yet your willingness to, to, to connect and to carry is what will take this church to 100,000. And if it's only the front row that's connected, and if it's only the second row that carries... God goes, I'll pour 153, but that's it. I've heard many reasons why 153 is in the Bible, and they're probably all right. But my simple math is that the 154th fish would have broken the net. And the net was strained. God said, I'd like to give you more, but I can't. They didn't need 153. That was the capacity. What if the 154th fish is your loved one? What if the 154th fish 
is someone you care about. That's not me trying to be dramatic. It's simply saying God is not willing that one person in Auckland, in North Shore, in Manukau, in any part of this entire nation, he's not willing that one should perish, but that everyone should know peace, life, liberty, joy, all of that. But I believe prophetically, even as we're in this arena as one, see there's seats everywhere. There's room, but is there room in here? Is there room in terms of what we're willing to say? Or are we just going to fill the chairs? Now you're like, you're really strong for a visiting preacher. I told you, I'm not a visiting preacher. I'm part of the team here at Equipers. And really, this journey to 100,000 is going to require a phenomenal net across the nations of the world. And when we link arm in arm, and we connect arm in arm, and we say, you know what, whatever it takes, uh, God's not here to cripple you. He's here to strengthen you. He's here to bless you. And I, sp- and I felt this morning to pray specifically for people who feel strained. You feel strained. You feel strained. You feel like that Botswana friend who... There are some in just barren thing and your barrenness and you're, you're believing, but others of you, your barrenness has produced a strain. And I really felt to pray for those who feel strained this morning. So I wonder if right now we could just close our eyes right across this auditorium. Tonight I believe he's going to set people free. There's something that's going to be broken. There's liberty that's about to hit people's hearts in a, in a mighty way tonight. But I really want to pray the sustaining grace of God Right now, right now, right now, right now. You feel strained. I don't know what area, it doesn't matter. God is not here to strain your life, He's here to grace your life. You can either ask for a smaller life or a greater grace. There are times Jemima and I feel exhausted with our life and our journey and all of that, and, and there are times we have to do things wiser and smarter. But there's nothing like the grace of God to strengthen us, to hold us, and say, Father, keep us connected. Keep our capacity strong. God, we're willing to do whatever you call us to do. Help us to pick up our mat. And when we're weak, let the connection to strong people be our solution. See, if you're weak, your, your isolation will not protect you. It'll hurt you. And yet there are people in this room, before you say yes to connection, before you say yes to connection to God, before you say yes to Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you, he knows you, he knows where you're at, and he's heard your cry. But I want to pray grace on everyone who feels strained, you feel stretched, something you feel, you're feeling either emotionally, relationally, financially, whatever, whatever the stretch is in your life. And you're ready for, the, for, you're, you're ready for a grace. God wants, to, God wants to do the second miracle in your life this morning. He wants to sustain you. He wants to sustain you because all the good that has happened in the past will not be lost because His grace is here to sustain you.